Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week we're on with Dan Osborne, pastor of our Forest Glen location, and we're talking with him about Ephesians 2, It's a Wonderful Life, and the Gospel According to Ebenezer Scrooge. So let's jump in. I'm Trevor Lovell, and this is the Pastor's Cut with Dan Osborne. Dan, good to be with you this morning. Thanks for joining for the podcast. Thanks for having me back, Trev. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've got an opening question for us, uh, just because of, you know we're in the Christmas season here. And so, what I want to ask is, um, you know, what what really is that sort of quintessential classic Christmas movie for you, where it just really hasn't? It's not the Christmas season <laughs> until you've seen this movie. Uh, well, I can tell you what it's not. <laughs> Because I think that's where you're going. Um, Well, first of all, classic movie is A Christmas Carol. I love A Christmas Carol. Uh, I think it's the best Christmas movie, undisputed. Uh, But it does Uh have a few uh, really bad (laughs) spinoffs. Wait, which version? Which version of A Christmas Carol? The like the Jim Carrey one? No, no, no. That one's that one's kind of creepy. You know what? I think the best one is A Muppet's Christmas, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because when you read the book, the book is actually, there's a lot of humor in the book that doesn't get, you know, uh, you don't hear that a lot in uh, some of the other versions. They like keep it in this Victorian era uh, setting and it's kind of noble, but but the book itself is, is supposed to be funny at parts and the Muppets, the Muppets one is hilarious. <laughs> so, um, you know, like they changed Jacob Marley's name to Robert Marley. So, so he's Bob Marley. Uh, <laughs> it's just a little stuff like that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's really bad spinoffs too. So there's like there's this movie called the uh, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past by Matthew McConaughey, and it's the same storyline, uh-huh. but just all the women he's dated in the past. Terrible spinoff. It's a Wonderful Life is a horrible spinoff. <laughs> You're um, gonna put those in the same category? <laughs> yeah, It's a Wonderful Life is in the same category as Ghosts <laughs> of Girlfriends Past. Because, yeah. and I'll tell you why, because it's not a Christmas movie. It just happens to, it's a boring movie that takes like five hours to watch. And it happens to take place on Christmas. By the same logic, Harry Potter is a Christmas movie. Or or any other movie that, you know, there's snow in it is a Christmas movie. So that's, that's my answer. Okay. I would like to think that there are many people listening who disagree with you. That's my, that's my hope. Um, that's my hope. Yeah, but but thank you for your answer and for your honesty. Appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thank All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, Dan, you preached on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, I want to say, at Forest Glen and uh, Norwood Park this past weekend, right? Yep. Uh-huh. I did. I did. Could you give us a quick recap of uh, of your sermon? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about this idea of— uh, obviously our whole series is on peace and I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, this is kind of the illustration I used. I feel like in a lot of ways I identify a lot with Ebenezer Scrooge from a Christmas Carol, just because he's really suspicious of all of these sentimental values that tend to be talked about at at Christmas time. And so I, I feel like I'm that way with the word peace because it's just such an overused word. Uh, and 
I feel like it gets almost neutered where you can't, it doesn't really mean anything to, to a lot of people. And so uh, the first part of the sermon, I spent time just defining what peace is biblically. Uh, where do we see mm. peace uh established? How does it work uh, in a biblical worldview? And one of the, what we walked away saying is uh, peace is, is really the result of something else. It's a state of being. And I think that's a really important to talk about peace compared to how everyone feels about uh, peace. And uh, a lot of stuff written from a non-Christian perspective can still be really helpful. But what you're going to notice is they're all telling you or giving you a pathway to find peace. Like, how, how do you go about and find it as a goal, as an aim? And this is one of the reasons why I think people can get disillusioned with the Bible is, is because the Bible is not trying to tell you how to find peace. It, that's not the goal. The Bible is trying to show you what your deepest longings, what your deepest needs really are. And when those are satisfied, the result, like the benefits package is peace. So it gets at it from a very different angle. Um, and so I think it's important in thinking about peace, uh, we, we cling to imagery. So something like the 23rd Psalm, where, you know, if, if it's having what you need and knowing it, we, we have this uh, uh, right relationship with the Lord, who, who is our shepherd in the 23rd Psalm. Therefore, I shall not want, I, I, I shall not fear. He restores my soul. He comforts me. Like, that is peace. So that was the first part of the message. The second part was getting into, okay, how does this have any impact on our relationship with other people? Uh, and just broadly speaking, what I drilled down on was this idea of, uh, from Ephesians 2.13, where Paul goes back and looks at the former way of life for everybody. He says, you were once far off. Uh, you who are once far off, he's talking about Christians. There is a point in time where all of us who are you know, followers of Jesus we're far from God, uh, and yet he has, in the gospel, engaged in our lives, uh, given us grace where we didn't earn it, mercy where we didn't deserve it. Uh, he has shown us a kindness um, and taken all of our brokenness, all of our failure to the cross, right? That, that is the story of every Christian. He did all of this for me, uh, but the key is not just for me. He did this for every other follower of Jesus. So, so this now puts me in a different type of relationship with Christians around me, right? Where I'm not looking so, so much at their failure and their issues and, and you know, the stuff that they got going on. Like it, 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 the gospel points the finger back at me and saying, look, I, I need God's grace just as much as this other person who's, who's frustrating me right now, or there's just this angst with them. Uh, so that was the second move of the sermon, all talking about uh, what I called relational chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I like how you tied in a Christmas carol there. Yeah, that kind of worked its way through the whole message. Um, and I, I think there's there are a lot of gospel themes that show up in that book. Mm-hmm. Really profound. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Man, um, so what got cut? You know, I, I think there's, one, one of the big pieces that got cut and this is because we are, uh, it, it's so broad to talk about peace with others. It is an incredibly broad topic. Um, so I, one, one area that I felt like, you know, we, we have talked a lot about at Forest Glen is unity and 
peace with other people. You know, we, we did a whole series, in fact, separate from Park, the rest of Park, over the summer on unity and, and what it looks like to pursue peace together in community. And so we had touched on a lot of these different themes. Um, but w- one of them that uh, I, I wanted to spend more time in, and we, we talked about it a little bit, but was just how does this uh, come to bear on a conversation on uh, uh, race and culture? So where, where does the gospel establish peace on a even much bigger level, uh, not just between you and maybe your uh, spouse or your, you know, other person in your small group, but, you know, on, on the on the global church side, how does the gospel actually bring peace uh, between people of all different kinds of cultures and backgrounds who are followers of Christ? Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, good. it's just a piece that didn't get, uh, you know, en- enough attention uh, in the message this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's interesting when you get into that a little bit more about how, like, if you if you dive into the history of certain people groups, like whether in this country or in other countries, like in the even in the passage in Ephesians two, right? There's like there are historical reasons for the division that's there and for the separation that exists, and yet that's like what the gospel comes in and, and, and breaks those things down. Um, yeah, so it's interesting the and how peace works itself out in all those different angles and and even in that one in particular in bringing unity where before there was nothing but division and in a lot of cases like there's reasons for those divisions. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's it's uh, it's important for believers to keep coming back to this uh, concept of preaching the gospel to yourself um, because we can so easily just regularly point the finger outward and see issues with them or others uh, instead of recognizing our own brokenness and our own failure. And and I think especially on a conversation like race, there's just a fatigue for for a lot of people uh, in talking about this. Uh, And yet the the gospel does have very practical uh, insight and payoff uh, for for conversations on race. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what else got cut? Yeah. You know, to be honest, there's, there are, I, I tried to uh, go a route in, in weaving in different themes from a Christmas Carol as, you know, images and uh, a framework for the message this week. And one piece that I, I really did not have a whole lot of time to dig into uh, it's just a fascinating part of the story. Uh, and, and I even joked at the beginning of the message on Sunday, like, look, I, I promise you I'm not preaching from a Christmas carol. It's just, <laughs> just like the, the illustration. Uh, but you think about how, uh, you, you know, if you know the story, Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. You got the like, ghost of Christmas past, which essentially shows him his his own past, like where he was, which is what Paul does, interestingly enough, in uh chapter two, verse 13. He goes back to a believer's past. Uh, and then the second ghost shows what, what Christmas should be like. It, it's supposed to show Scrooge like the true joy that he's missing out on in that season, uh, which I think is what Paul is doing is he's elevating what peace looks like between, you know, with, with the one new man that's been created. Um, and so you have this ideal that's lifted before everybody. Uh, and yet, what, what I find so fascinating is even in, in the book, Scrooge is like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. 
he, he wants to embrace the idea, but there's a missing piece. And it's not until the third ghost comes, the ghost of Christmas future, who, who comes and, and speaks truth to show Scrooge who he really is right now and the consequences of like the path that he is on. And I think in a lot of ways, this is what the gospel does for us. I wish I had more time to, to tease out this, uh, this part of the illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what the gospel does for us is it begins to uh, hold up a mirror essentially uh, to followers of Christ. And, and in a very real way, uh, you know, the gospel does not just uh, hide our failure. It doesn't just like put paint over it and uh, make it not a big deal anymore. Uh, God is very aware of our brokenness. He knows all of our failure intimately. It's not hidden away uh, by, uh, by Christ's work on the cross. What it does is it, it, it puts it right there in front of us and shows us how, how much of a desperate need we actually have uh, for God to intervene in our life. And it's not until we get to that place where we recognize our own failure, our own brokenness, that we can you know, finally see the true joy of what the gospel does for us. Uh, and this is the mechanism by which we, we, we then experience peace. Like we have to be confronted with our own issues. And until we see those, we're going to regularly be like, just like Ebenezer Scrooge, constantly pointing the finger at the issues in other people, blaming them for what we are experiencing, uh, and for the, the, the issues that we have. And I think that's the big component in relational chaos that just continues. Yeah, man, that's a really interesting point. Um, it, it reminds me of something that I just heard recently. Uh, Gordon McDonald, this, this author, writer, he's a pastor for a long time. And he asked this question in one of his books, kind of asking it of himself, but it was, what kind of old man do I want to be? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And and because I feel like a lot of times when we imagine our future, like Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He just wanted a lot of money. And uh, and. Yeah, we don't always take into consideration um, like dreaming further down the road. What type of person do we want to be? Not just at like the height of our career or sort of like the high point of our life, but later in life, we're going to, what kind of person do we want to be when we come near to the end of our days? Because um, the things we do now are are leading to that end. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Man. Well, Dan, it's been uh, great having you on. Um, really appreciate you, except for your disdain for George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know what that's about, but it's been great having you. I'm happy to come back anytime, as long as I still get invited after <laughs> my egregious sin, apparently, of not liking a boring movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have you back in the new year. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope you found it beneficial and uh, we'll see you soon.